0: And I'm
1: just a super nerd.
0: Welcome to episode three hundred and ninety-nine of the Paleo View.
1: That's super excited. That feels like 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 we're about to hit a big number. Uh
0: it feels like we might have something planned for the next episode.
1: Oh, like a big announcement. I mean,
0: just you know, fun. Maybe exciting. Who knows? Have to tune in.
1: Find maybe out. Maybe giant maybe giant announcement? Maybe huge? <laughs> maybe humongous. Maybe I like hear- the most exciting announcement in four hundred episodes. Maybe perhaps.
0: I feel like you might be overselling it a little bit. <laughs>
1: Well, our listeners can tune in next week, and then let us know if that was like too much of an amping up for the announcement.
0: <laughs> um, I do feel like it's been a long time coming. But um, ha. ha. Anyway, we were just talking before the show about life. Mm -hmm. life is life is still interesting if you're listening to this podcast at a different time just fyi we are week four of social distancing right now and my emotional roller coaster is still continuing to happen (laughs) like everybody else i mean yeah
1: it is is that's the new normal is is that it's we're all still adjusting and adapting I will say that um,
0: practicing gratitude and I don't mean that to say that if you're not feeling grateful that there's some emotion to have other than whatever it is that you're feeling because all emotions are valid right now but yesterday was a really tough day for me. It was Matt's like one day off a week and those just are like really emotional because it makes me realize how much I want him home. And then I have guilt about being selfish, but wanting him home and like, you know, the whole thing. And so um, the thing that really helps me is thinking about gratitude and what I am grateful for and that my family is safe and secure and, you know, all the things that I have to be thankful for, even though my husband is not home very often, which is very unusual for us. So I I think for perspective, like I was the person who worked outside the home and didn't have a lot of hands-on parenting except to be the fun mom for a really long time, like 13 years. Um, And now I am not the fun mom. Now I am the nagging mom and overwhelmed with mess. And I'm going to be teaching my kids and all that kind of stuff. And that's a lot for all of us. Like Whatever it is you're going through... um, So it's okay to practice gratitude. But as we discussed before, um, it really affected my sleep last night. Like even though um, we talked about sleep practices, I was doing my breathing, I was doing whatever. And I had a moment where I realized that I think that I'd done something that beyond stress and beyond everything else that I really messed up my sleep cycle. (laughs) So I wanted to ask you about it and it will help us kind of jump into our show topic today. Are you ready for an off the cuff? Um, I'm going to ask you a science question and you have absolutely nothing, like no knowledge of what's coming. If I'm really
1: not ready, we're going to edit it out of the show. So it's (laughs) fine. (laughs) Okay. So I received
0: my first pair of amber glasses (laughs) I'm so shamed. Um, Here for this, glasses like a week ago. <laughs> this is, okay,
1: hang on. Let me back up a second because. <laughs> you can't even right now. You're like,
0: I can't, how, w- whatever's about to happen, I know.
1: How many, how many episodes have we done where we've talked about sleep and talked about wearing Amber glasses, uh, also, you know, AKA blue blocking glasses, AKA melatonin glasses for the last couple hours before going to bed as like the number one thing for entrenching circadian rhythms and supporting sleep. We've talked about this for, you know, uh, for almost 400 episodes and you, you you just,
0: you, you didn't have a pair before this. I, if you could have heard me sighing heavily while I was on mute. I know, okay? I know. Okay, okay. I Just... feel the guilt. However, <laughs> in my defense, and I want our listeners to understand this, I have lots of blue light blocking glasses. Like, a lot of them. And I wear them, and I feel a difference in, for example, my eye fatigue during the day when I wear my blue light glasses while but I'm You working. have the
1: clear lens, like the
0: computer glass. Well, I didn't understand. So, this is what I'm saying. Despite okay. Listening to the show a bajillion times, obviously, and hearing you say Amber, like I just thought that they that those glasses weren't doing a good job of hiding how they were changing the color. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so let me just be really clear with you, listeners. Like, Hang on, wait a minute! Hang on. Oh my gosh! Okay, they're just I mean, entirely different. Like they're totally not the fair. same.
1: Not the same. No, they're, not. they're not the same at all.
0: So I just I just want to put that out there for those of you who are also thinking that you could wear the cool version
1: and it would be the same. It's not. It's not. Um oh my gosh. Okay. So so uh yeah, let's make sure that we we cover this in the show. Um uh that blue is not there's there's multiple kinds of blue. Let's right Blue is a wavelength spectrum. So let's, yes. Okay. I will, I will make sure that we cover that. Um, but you were saying, okay. Yes. So I'd been wearing
0: proper amber mm-hmm. tinted glasses, the mm-hmm. Blue Blocks ones, who are our podcast sponsors this week. Thank you, Blue Blocks, for teaching me about life. <laughs> um, and I, Wore them for about 45 minutes last night. And mm-hmm. then I took them off for like a half an hour to have a conversation with Matt and to like because he laughs at me when I wear them. <laughs> anyway, we're moving past that. So um I was having this conversation with him and I like got myself all worked up in the conversation, and then I tried to go to bed. So I aggravated my stress. Now, I wasn't, mm-hmm. like, s- stressed at him, but I was, like, basically, you know, I was talking to him about my feelings, which is yeah. never, you know, trying to lay down to your pillow when you've got all kinds of emotions is never a For good sure. idea. But I think, and I'm, I'm hoping this is the science you can answer, that I'm I kind of messed things up by initiating melatonin and all of that kind of stuff with the glasses, because that was the first time that I'd, like, worn them, took them off, and then tried to go to bed with, like, real mm-hmm. life, and I think that it messed it up, because I... I've been seeing, like, really, not shockingly, <laughs> based on your science, good results <laughs> from wearing them. Like, literally within 20 minutes of putting them on, like, I feel my body, like, calming and winding down and wanting yeah. to go to sleep, which surprised me. Um, and so I had the opposite effect yesterday, when I, <laughs> which is why I kind of took them off and was, like, hand-talking and <laughs> full of emotions and whatever with
1: Matt. Um, that doesn't surprise me. At all, um, and I think um I think that I have the like the reasons why that happened like well covered in my notes for this podcast, so I'm going to say like hold tight on that because I think for our listeners, one of the things that I want to do i I sort of realize I've never actually gone deep into the science on amber tinted glasses on. Uh, my blog or my books, like, I've always sort of, like, talked about them as, you know, they're these, like, well-studied, right, like, there's scientific evidence to show that wearing them for the last, you know, two to three hours before you go to bed supports dim light melatonin production and improves basically, like, every measure of sleep. And I've kind of always summarized it that way without ever, like, really getting into why. And so (laughs) I thought this would just be a great. Episode to really like take that step back and talk about circadian rhythm, the light dark cycle, and and the sort of magnitude of effect of the bright light exposure during the day versus the dim and lack of blue exposure in the evening in terms of supporting sleep quality because I know that it's um, sleep has has um, you know a with with everything that's going on right now, it has hit uh, a higher priority for a lot of people, um, including us, right? Like, you know, we recognize that um, dialing in sleep right now is really, really important for immune function, for stress management, for, uh, you know, energy and and motivation during the day. And right now, you know, one of the things that I'm doing with the, you know, COVID-19 um, uncertainty and the, the fear associated with that is I'm using that to really channel towards dialing in all the lifestyle factors that I find it really easy to let kind of slide when I get busy, right? I get busy and I, I don't do all of those things. And right now I'm like, nope, it's a hundred percent. Like we're going to do all of the things and meditate before bed and wear the blue blocking glasses and go to bed on a, you know, routine and, you know make sure i get the outside time and the activity and i'm i'm being really strict with myself about those things because even though it's important all the time right now it's where i can put my energy in a positive way that is um helping me to cope with our, our new normal as well as doing something that is going to be legit, beneficial for my immune system in the context of a global pandemic. So um, so let's take a step back and just really talk about, like, why those funny-looking amber glasses that your husband is teasing you about wearing, but should be wearing himself, um, are... To be clear, I
0: realized after I said that, what I really meant to say is he can't take me seriously in them. And we were having a serious <laughs> conversation. Like, you...
1: Got it. To
0: to my husband's credit, he does not actually make fun of me. He's a he's a very kind gentleman who is very nice to me all the time. Frankly, too often. Um, so I just I just want to like correct myself and say he wasn't actually making fun of me. But I can tell when he's but looking you at me.
1: Interpreted the smirk as making yes, fun. Yes, yes. Yeah, like when it. he's
0: looking at me, he's thinking about my glasses. He's not thinking about my words. So that's all.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, that that is um, something to address uh, independently. <laughs> but I think <laughs> I think uh, let's let's talk about like why they work, and and I think by explaining that it'll be really clear why wearing them and then taking them off before going to bed could be so disruptive for your sleep. Uh, but first, I think we should uh, mention how awesome our sponsor Blue Blocks is. Uh, First of all, for sending
0: me glasses that after 47,000 episodes being told that I needed them, I didn't have them. And (laughs) now I understand. So totally love them. And honestly, one of the cool things about them is that they donate a pair of reading glasses to someone in a developing world for each pair of blue blocks that they sell, which is really super cool as well. I love companies that give back, especially right now.
1: Um, they also make a really high-quality uh, blue-blocking glass, um, pair of glasses, which one of the things that you can really tell the difference between a high-quality pair and a low-quality pair is in, like, how how well you can see with them on. So when you're wearing these amber-tinted glasses, right, they have literally orange lenses, um, and that is important for blocking the right wavelengths of blue. Um, And what I like about blue blocks, I like that they have got lots of different frame styles. You can choose ones that don't look goofy if you're going to venture out to the, the grocery store with them on in the evenings. But the thing that I really appreciate about them is that because they so selectively only block the wavelengths that are really, really important for melatonin production, which we'll get into, you're getting all of the other wavelengths in so you can actually still see really clearly with them on um, I can drive in at night with them on and that makes a big difference like wearing um, like orange safety glasses which is like a cheaper a cheaper way to do it but you you really end up blocking more of the other wavelengths so your vision just isn't as clear and that's that's one of the things that I super appreciate about blue blocks is um, that they they do give you the option to like not look crazy because the frames are so cool, but also because the the vision is just so wonderful. And it's because they're producing such a high tech, like high tech, high quality, um, really like optics grade lenses. Um, It's a, you know, it's not just a generic tint, like a safety glass would be. It is super specific and because of that, they're just, they're comfortable, they're stylish, and they work super well. So it's, it's kind of, and they give back. It's all the things.
0: And they're Australian, and the currency is favoring America right now. So just saying. <laughs> um, and they work. I will tell you, as evidenced by my story of being <laughs> shocked <laughs> of putting them on, I would not operate heavy machinery while wearing them because they really do effectively Create a calming, um, sedative state for me. And I wouldn't want to like try to be alert while doing anything, but I can still read or look at my phone or do different things while I'm wearing them, which I'm happy about. So, all right, tell me the science <laughs> and not just why I should have been wearing them for the last years and years of a lifetime. Oh, we forgot to say if you wanted to check them out, um, you can go to blueblocks.com slash paleo view. That's blublo com slash paleo view and use code paleo view for 15% off in addition to the conversion favoring you and them donating pair. So that's awesome. Oh, and free global shipping.
1: Sweet. Right? All right. So I think in order to... Really understand the benefit of wearing blue blocks glasses in the evenings. It it really helps take a step back and really understand what circadian rhythm is, and why light is in such an important controller of circadian rhythm. So the the term circadian rhythm really just refers to the fact that um, a- across. Pretty much all forms of life, like we even see this in bacteria, for example, there are a variety of biological processes that cycle according to our 24-hour clock. And that that really just comes from the fact that, you know, life evolved on a planet with a 24-hour day-night cycle. And what it does actually, the the, the more sophisticated. A circadian rhythm is is a predictor of a higher order life form. So basically humans have the most sophisticated circadian rhythm of all life forms on earth, which is like really cool. And it's because it gives us this competitive advantage to be able to have our body assign functions based on the time of day. So basically we're look we're assigning Different biological processes based on whether or not we're awake and, you know, alert and, you know, searching for food and able to control movement because we're awake versus asleep where that's a really good time to, for example, prioritize tissue repair. Um, There's parts of our immune system that cycle according to whether or not we're awake or asleep. And actually most hormones in our body have a circadian rhythm and they're either higher at night or higher during the day, right? They all have this ebb and flow. And it's all controlled by um, something called the circadian clock, which is a, it's really just a a group of cells in a part of the brain called the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus, uh, which is really fun to try to say five times fast. And these cells have um, this series of genes they're called clock genes and it's in- incredibly complex but basically the the genes each act like a like a um like a cogwheel and a mechanical watch so they're like a little each gene will be like a little chunk like a like a second hand ticking and so they actually are turning on in sequence which is passing a certain period of time and syncing with the light-dark cycle. So they interact with each other in this, this really complex, intricate manner in order to keep track of time. So if you take somebody and um, just put them in uh, you know, gray light all the time, we will maintain a circadian rhythm for quite a long time before it starts to fall apart. And that's thanks to our clock genes, but it will eventually start to fall apart. And that's because... Just like um, you might, I mean, I was going to say <laughs> set your watch, but these days, I don't know how many people are wearing analog watches anymore. You might set the clock in your car to the same time that's on your phone, which is actually synced to Greenwich Mean Time, right? So just like you might set all of the clocks in your home so that they, all the times match, so all the all the non-ones, that like all the ones that aren't internet-enabled and do it automatically, um, it's similar in our bodies, that our circadian clock synchronizes to the environmental light-dark cycle. And um, that is really, really important. And it does this through specific uh, photosensitive ganglion cells in our eyes. So this is separate from our rods and cones that are responsible for basic, you know, vision. Um, These cells um, have a photopigment called melanopsin, and when light triggers that, that sends a signal directly to the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus via a pathway called the retinohypothalamic tract, and that then syncs the clock genes. So it's these light signals detected predominantly through our eyes. We have some of these photosensitive cells in our skin as well, but that's a much, much lower um, signal strength compared to our eyes. And it's that constant feedback between the light of our environment through these ganglion cells in our eyes that connect with the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus. I'm just going to say that as often as I
0: possibly can. I was wondering um, if you practiced beforehand like a Mary Poppins song.
1: <laughs> Actually, this is so interestingly enough, because I wrote an ebook on sleep um, so long ago, this has been such a entrenched part of my um, knowledge base that it's one of those technical words that's really easy for me to say, unlike a lot of technical words that I say on this podcast, which I do have to supercalifragilistic practice. This is not one of them, um, but uh, retinohypothalamic was. I mean, that, w- that was a different new fun word. Um, <laughs> anyways, the there's this like constant feedback between these cells in our eyes and this area of the brain that is controlling where the the circadian clock is is housed, that is constantly setting the clock. And then that clock is controlling two main hormones, melatonin and cortisol, to uh, sync the, basically every cell in our body has um, a sort of version of its own clock. Um, so it's called they're called peripheral oscillators. So they need to be synced to the main clock in our brain. And that is done through the hormone signals of melatonin and cortisol. So melatonin is considered our sleep hormone. Sometimes it's called the darkness hormone. And that is the main hormone driving various biological processes associated with sleep. And then cortisol, which we we think of in terms of the you know, stress axis is actually also our like daytime hormone. So it's our hormone that is driving daytime wake, wakeful processes. So a normal circadian rhythm would have our circadian clock perfectly aligned with the light dark cycle. And then it would have our melatonin, um, our melatonin production starts. um, It's called dim light melatonin production. And it would typically start ramping up. Couple hours before bed, so like 8 p.m. ish. Um, and it would peak around midnight, like sort of middle of the night. Um, that's assuming you would go to bed around 10, right? That's the sort of time frame. And then it um, starts coming down in the wee hours of the morning so that it's back to a, a low when you're getting up. And Cortisol almost does the opposite. So cortisol would hit its lowest right before you're going to bed, and cortisol starts ramping up about two hours before you wake up in the morning and is at its peak right when you get up. So cortisol is our daytime hormone that's saying, hey, everybody wake up, it's time to be energetic and do daytime-type biological processes. And melatonin is our sleep hormone that says, hey, it's time to go to bed and start prioritizing sleepy time type biological processes. So the thing here is that because the master circadian clock in our brain is really set by light and dark, what's important to understand is that indoor light is not bright enough to be the daytime signal, and it's too bright to be the get ready for bed signal. And so indoor light is, is kind of like the, the, it's the worst of both worlds. So, um, what's really interesting is to look at the lux values of different types of light. And when you do that, you can really see that, that indoor lighting is this like weird in between that our bodies are not adapted to like our circadian clock doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know what that signal means. It doesn't mean day and it doesn't mean night. It just means meh. So daylight when you're outside that is between 10,000 and 25,000 lux. Lux is by the way a logarithmic scale measuring how bright light is. If the day is really overcast and gray and cloudy, it's about 1,000 lux. Um, at sunrise and sunset, um when it's you know just starting to get light out, you're talking about 300 to 500 lux. Indoor lighting is typically between 50 and 100 lux, which is, right, like, it is um, three orders of magnitude dimmer than normal daylight. And then at night, um, if there's no moon, the normal lux level of a clear night with no moon would be 0.002 lux. So that also means that normal indoor lighting is about three orders of magnitude too bright to be that night signal. So brightness is a huge part of this. So basically, using the regular lights that we would have, um, it's not enough to tell our circadian clock that it's daytime if we're spending all day indoors. And it's too much if we're using it in the evening to tell our circadian clock that it's bedtime. And that disrupts the circadian rhythm, which means our melatonin isn't spiking when it's supposed to, or as high as it's supposed to. And melatonin, since it, it drives a lot of processes related to sleep, like lowering uh, body temperature, reducing um, uh, our metabolism in general, All of those things are interfered with, which erodes sleep quality. But we have the opposite problem during the day where it impacts that morning cortisol spike as well. So indoor lighting is inadequate in this whole other way. It's not just the brightness, it's also the color. So it turns out that blue wavelengths of light are the most important for uh, sinking that circadian clock. And what that means is, is that bright blue wavelengths of light during the day tell our circadian clock that it's daytime. And the absence of bright blue wavelengths of light in the evening helps tell our circadian clock that it's evening getting to be nighttime. And so daylight is actually quite rich in blue light. That's why it is so great for setting our circadian clocks by just going outside uh, sunrise and sunset actually has very little blue light and a lot of red light which is why replicating um, the sort of sunset by blocking blue and embracing red wavelengths of light can help mimic that signal to the circadian clock um, and one of the problems is that uh, indoor light especially are moved towards a lot more led bulbs because uh, they're so cost-effective, There's right? They're very low-energy bulbs. They last forever. Um, I know it's one of the things that we've gradually done in our house is, you know, as incandescent or compact fluorescent lights uh, burn out, we tend to replace them with LED lights. Um, LED lights have a very high output in blue wavelengths, So, uh, but not high enough to replicate daylight, <laughs> just enough. To completely mess up our melatonin production in the evening. So we have this thing called dim melatonin, dim light melatonin onset. So it is the um, beginning of our pineal gland in the brain, secreting melatonin in the evening that starts, you know, ramping up a couple hours before we go to bed um, and peaks in the middle of the night, that helps to um, support sleep and all of the biological processes that would happen while we're asleep. Um, it turns out that light is, um, an incredibly well understood inhibitor of dim light melatonin production. So you actually really need light to be, uh, very dim, right? It has it right in the name, dim light melatonin production. Um, it is permitted by darkness or dim red sort of sunset style wavelengths. Um, and it is inhibited by blue flanks of light or bright light. So there's been a bunch of studies that have looked at um, what happens when you basically um, mess up um, this natural ebb and flow. And um, what we know is that especially blue wavelengths of light in the evening suppresses that normal melatonin production. And that is a direct contributor to sleep disturbance.
0: That's so interesting. I didn't realize any of that, especially about LED lights, which I think a lot of us are replacing, if not already replaced, in our homes. Mm. So, um, I do try to do what I call warm lighting. I'm kind of curious about this. Like, we have a couple of uh, decorative lights with more, um, I don't know what else to call it other than warm. Like they they emit more yeah. of an orange glow than a blue glow in chandeliers. Um and so at nighttime I try to turn off like the overhead recessed LED lights that we have and just have on kind of ambient warm lighting. Um and I hadn't really thought about that being something that I was inclined to do because of the light source and daylight and all of that. But now that I'm thinking about it I'm like that makes sense. You know that like I would be trying to reduce the blue light. Not so, that that, and not that that's going to be a solution, but it's not going to hurt either. <laughs>
1: correct. Um, so one of um, one of the ways to sort of um, biohack this this dim light uh, signal that we really need in the evenings is to um, ideally you'd actually have like red light bulbs. So the warmer colors are more yellow, so they still have quite a lot of blue wavelengths in them, but they're better than like sunlight spectrum, which has a lot of blue. Um, but one of the ways that you could, um, sort of get around this is, um, either get like just red light bulbs for some lamps. So you want to keep the light in the evening, both, um, like lack of blue, right? So lack of blue. So red is good. Blue is not, um, as well as dim. So you really want both of those things. And so, one sort of hack is to get uh, red wavelengths or like programmable LEDs so that you can make them red colored in the evenings and dimmer. But that also requires avoiding any kind of screen. Um, And that's one of the things that I think is so limiting about this strategy overall is that it's um, so challenging. Like, ideally, you would not have, you would not use any kind of screen, no TV, no computer screen, no smartphone, no tablet, right? Not, you wouldn't use any of those things for two to three hours before bed in order to support melatonin production. And that's why wearing amber glasses is a much more accessible solution because it allows us to continue using the devices to which we have become accustomed um, and do things like watch TV in the evening without getting that blue light into our eyes and telling our superchiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus that it's daytime when it's really not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not letting it slide that you found a way
0: to say it again.
1: <laughs> so really when it comes to... Uh, so what would be called circadian rhythm entrenchment, which is basically aligning our circadian clock in the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus with the light-dark cycle. That's what that circadian rhythm en- rhythm entrenchment means. Um, with somebody working shift work, it would mean training the circadian clock with your day and night through manipulating the light dark cycle. So your light dark cycle wouldn't match daytime and nighttime outside if you were a shift worker. And actually a lot of the studies um, on these sort of biohacks that I'm going to talk about um, are actually done in shift workers to sort of see like, can we we entrench circadian rhythms by using the light dark cycle and even though it's not in sync with what's actually happening outside? And the answer is yes. So there's really uh, a three-part Solution to this, so we want to get that bright light exposure during the day of at least ten thousand lux. So the the easiest way to do that is to go outside at some point during the day. Um, an alternative is to use a ten to twelve thousand lux light therapy lamp or light therapy box. Um, but I'm gonna actually summarize some of the science on that. Um, if you're looking at one biohack to support circadian rhythm entrenchment. Uh, this is a lower priority than than amber glasses. Um, it turns out that the magnitude of effect of um, keeping light, dim, and red wavelengths in the evening, whether you do that the old school way of not having screens for three hours before bed and only using red light bulbs in a few lamps... Um, in your house or or lighting with candles or fire for example that's very high in red wavelengths. Um however you achieve that um that actually is a much has a much stronger impact on melatonin than the bright light exposure during the day. So bright light exposure during the day does support dim light melatonin production, but you can completely undermine that by having too much bright light like using regular light bulbs in the evening. So the the much bigger thing to address in, um, really cementing this light dark cycle is that two hours of no blue before bed. Um, the next thing is sleeping in a really dark room. So, um, going through your room and, uh, making sure, for example, if you have, um, anything on a charger that has a light on, I'm putting a little piece of duct tape over that light so that it's not, I mean, LED lights on chargers can be crazy bright um, and often they're like blue or green, um, which are wavelengths that are going to be a problem for sleeping. Um, using a alarm clock that has a red display, for example, um, instead of a blue or a green display can make a really big difference. Uh, blackout curtains. Um, looking at your your bedroom environment and making sure that your bedroom is as dark as possible. Getting outside during the day and then this really, really crucial couple hours before bed of no blue light, um, and then the other thing that's really important is the consistent schedule of this. So um, I'm going to get to a study that actually brings schedule consistency into the the equation um, at, the, at the very end of my like awesome upcoming literature review. But um, but I want to emphasize that you know that there's this piece of if you lost your light dark cycle, your um, circadian clock will sort of continue to chug away at about 24 hours, it's like 24 hours and 11 minutes is what it'll do in the absence of any kind of um, outside stimulus for a while before it starts to devolve and and starts to get really messed up. Um, and so because of that, um, if you're putting on your amber glasses at 8 p.m. one night and going to bed at 10 And the next night you're putting them on at 10 and going to bed at midnight. That's sending a very, that's sending basically like jet lag style confusing signals to your circadian clock in your suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus. (laughs) So what you're saying is yesterday
0: when I put them on, took them off, got myself riled up and put myself to bed 90 minutes later than I had been going to bed for the prior week, it, you're surprised I didn't sleep well. Is that, is that what I'm? Hearing
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is my approximately my conclusion is, is absolute shock. Um, and that obviously is sarcasm. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about bright light during the day before I talk about amber glasses Because actually this has been studied for a lot longer. So um, the original study sort of came from um, seasonal affective disorder and light therapy for seasonal affective disorder. And sleep disturbance is a sort of normal symptom of seasonal affective disorder. Um, But it's actually been studied in a variety of um, sleep disorders, insomnia, um, sleep problems related to, to dementia, for example. And there's actually been enough studies done on the use of like bright light therapy during the day to do a meta-analysis. And um, what's cool is that light therapy, however you do it, so this can be, you know, going for a um, walk on your lunch break outside, um, or, you know, now it's maybe hanging out in the backyard (laughs) at some point during the day, or again, sort of doing the biohack version of this with a light therapy lamp. Um, It has been shown in general to help improve sleep in a variety of different conditions, right? So um, jet lag and uh, shift work type sleep disorders, insomnia, and dementia related sleep problems. Um, However, oh, and I I guess I should mention the brighter the light, the better. So the brighter the light, which we're obviously getting the brightest light from sunlight, sunlight can be up to about 25,000 lux. If you were in direct sunlight it can be even like a hundred thousand lux if you're like holy smokes the sun is beaming down on me it can be that bright um which is so remember—it's a logarithmic scale so this is you know now we're talking like five orders of magnitude brighter than normal indoor light however even in these really bright light conditions The impact on sleep is considered a relatively small, up to maybe like a medium effect. And there's this other big challenge is that there just really hasn't been enough research to optimize timing for light therapy. So um, there's a, a variety of studies that have looked at using a light therapy lamp um, like right upon awakening. So like five or 6 AM, um, these studies have looked at versus mid morning. Um, when it comes to, you know, outside, it's been pretty much, it's all over the place in terms of time of day. And right now there's not enough science to say what would be optimal. Um, it's just very important to not use like a light therapy lamp in the early evening when normally you're starting to approach that transition time where light would be dim and red. So any time in the day is, is really, I mean, has some science to support it. Um, so whenever you get outside, actually our brain is able to sync to the sun pretty much at any time because we can detect the angle of the sun. And that's part of the, that changes the wavelength of light slightly. Um, and that actually is perceived very well by the suprachiasmatic nucleus at the hypothalamus. So um, so getting outside it sort of doesn't matter really when you do it. If you're using a light therapy box, consistency is probably more important than when you actually do it. Studies typically look at um, using light therapy boxes in the first half of the day. So again, that's, that's what's been studied now. But there really isn't enough... To know if you're just looking to optimize sleep, what is the best way to do it? And again, I want to sort of emphasize that while this is important and highly recommended when it comes to optimizing sleep, blue blocking glasses is where it's at.
0: So I just want to reiterate, listeners, if you're feeling like you had blue light Blocking non-amber tinted glasses and you thought you were doing great and now you're like oh I understand <laughs> I just want you to know you're not alone <laughs> and that we can be buddies in arms of being new to this very age-old practice <laughs> um I mean, I don't have much to add, obviously, from the science perspective, other than to say, like, I can speak to this, you know, and, and I I don't know what that's worth, except um, much like I felt about probiotics where I hear everybody talk about how important they were and I wasn't really seeing a difference until I found one that worked for me, like I've heard people and seen photos endlessly about amber glasses and like when I refused to see the Titanic because everybody loved it. And seven years later, I what? cried and enjoyed it. I know what is wrong with me. I'm so stubborn.
1: And it's I the first movie I saw three times in the three times in the theaters,
0: which is why I refused to see it. it
1: I, I was just, like 17. I was like the perfect age for all of that.
0: I am ridiculously stubborn. And so because Everybody loved it. I had to be different. I had to do something else and not do them. And now I can say I have, in fact, tried them. And they really, genuinely, um, I could feel my biological response to – having them on at about the 15 minute mark. Like I can literally feel it in my body. And I don't know that that's, you know, going to be the same for everybody. It might take some longer than others. I have mentioned before, I'm pretty good about when my head hits the pillow, I fall asleep pretty quickly, except when I'm stressed and then I can't shut my brain down. And so I haven't needed to take melatonin at all since wearing the amber tinted glasses because it is doing the science of what you're talking about and activating that on its own for me. Um, so that's uh, all I want to say is like N equals one on this biohack is thumbs up for me.
1: (laughs) So one of the, um, expected benefits to like beyond taking melatonin, um, and we, we have talked about melatonin on the show before we can, um, put a link in the in the show notes to our melatonin show from a while ago, but um, still all good science in that show. Um, one of the things that's different about using amber glasses and getting outside during the day and paying attention to the light dark cycle for supporting sleep is that even though most of the studies really look at this through the lens of melatonin, by syncing the circadian clock, you're actually syncing just about every hormone in the human body. It's it's like not just melatonin, even though this is what most of these studies are measuring. This is impacting that morning cortisol spike and everything else that cycles um, that is synced because of the circadian clock. So it's a... Um, a, it's a like way to support sleep that is um, elegantly simple, while also being something that, rather than um, you know throwing a supplement right, throwing a pill on the problem, it's actually addressing the physiological need, so that we're not just supporting sleep, but we're supporting every piece of this you know, cycling biological processes that needs to be supported by entrenching circadian rhythm. Agreed. I'm not a big fan of um,
0: supplementing unnecessarily, which we did talk about on that podcast, um, in particular for um, my family, because ADD makes it difficult to fall asleep. Um, whether you are or are not on the medication, um, it's just one of the symptoms. Um, it has been something that we use when needed for Wesley. And I'm actually mm-hmm. going to get him his own pair of amber tinted glasses and see how that helps. Because I do think that he will have an easier time falling asleep when he goes to bed and if his body is cued sooner, and if it helps my brain shut down from the stress, I'm extrapolating that it will help uh, their brain shut down. the The physiological is a little bit different from the from the ADD perspective, um, but the hormone response of like what a melatonin is doing. Or, supplement is doing for him versus what the glasses could do are very similar. So I'm thinking if it worked, it could work. I'm crossing my fingers. You can't see it, but I'm (laughs) crossing my fingers.
1: Um, (laughs) Both of my kids have pairs. Now I will tell you, uh, my 13 year old is um, resistant to wearing them because it's a thing that I recommend and I am a parent and she is 13. So you can see what's going on here. Um, we've just got like five more years of this. It's five. Well, then there's the other one. Eight more years. It's fine. It's fine. You've got 25 more years. Let's be real. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, basically until they have their own teenagers and then all of a sudden they'll be like, mom, you were so smart. I'm like, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. Um, but my, my 10 year old, uh, loves wearing them because it's super cool. So she's, um, she's like, yeah, mom, we're wearing the same glasses. So, uh, hopefully, Wesley's still in that. Sure, I'll wear these cool, these cool he is blue box glasses. He has really interesting phase
0: of wanting to understand the why of everything, um, which is actually makes for good fodder right now with mm-hmm. staying home and learning and exploring and keeping our minds active. But um, I think that he will be really interested, especially if I phrase it, like a science experiment, so how how I choose to do things in a less resistant way, and this is no guarantee, and I have boys, which are also just inherently a little bit different for the most part in the relationships that they have with their mothers. Um, I can say from personal experience how I talked to my mom when I was 13 versus <laughs> how I talked to my dad. Anyway, um, I will phrase it to him, like, hey, I want to do this experiment to see if these glasses a make you tired when you wear them let's write down how many minutes you feel like how long do you wear them before you feel tired and then how long do you fall asleep after you go to bed and turn off the lights and are no longer wearing them and so we'll like you know track for about a week which is what I did to estimate that it takes about 15 minutes for me to feel tired. And then I fall asleep really quickly. Um, so if we do it like a science experiment, I think he'll be interested and it'll give me data (laughs) to to like know if it's working or not. And then here you go.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, Speaking of data, let's do a fun literature review of some of the clinical trials that have used blue blocking glasses. I love Um, how you just
0: spun that. I want to give kudos and props to speaking of data.
1: (laughs) I mean, um, We all know that the segue-deficient person in this podcast... We're all here here for the science. We don't need need a segue. We're all here for the science. Excellent. Um, So one of the things that I want to sort of emphasize is that while there is like a really good accumulation of uh, clinical trials in humans with blue-blocking glasses showing that it improves a variety of different measures of sleep quality... Um, there isn't quite enough data yet that a meta-analysis has been done. And, and what that really implies is that we don't necessarily have, you know, what a meta-analysis would allow us to do is really put a definitive number on magnitude of effect. Um, so I'm going to go through the studies. Um, and just one of the things that I want um, our listeners to keep in mind as I'm doing this is the The true magnitude of effect is probably an average of all of these different types of studies, but these studies are also done in different populations. And one of the reasons why I pulled these ones together is I I wanted to sort of illustrate the different scenarios in which blue blocking glasses have been shown to benefit sleep, because um, it really, right now, my interpretation of where you know, the current scientific evidence is at, is that there is nobody who would be exempt from benefiting from them. So that is a really cool statement to be able to make. While also, you know, as I would always do for our listeners, is always, you know, remember that um, this is representing the current state of human knowledge. And as more studies are done, that has the capacity to add to human knowledge, which has the capacity to shift our, you know, interpretation and conclusions based on the entirety of the data. So these have actually only been uh, studied for about 15 years, which is really interesting, um, compared to light therapy, which goes back decades. This is a pretty new idea, and it really came out of the discovery that the blue portion of the light spectrum was the most important for um, setting the circadian clock, and that orange lenses or also called amber lenses cut that specific blue portion of light. So the difference between blue blocking glasses, if you have prescription glasses where you got sold on this extra blue blocking to prevent eye aging, or if you have computer glasses that are clear lenses that are blue blocking glasses, what those glasses are doing is they're actually only blocking a very narrow range of the blue light and the most high energy blue light. Um, as opposed to orange lenses, which are blocking the full spectrum of blue light. And that is why orange lenses help to support dim light melatonin production, and computer glasses or other sort of blue lenses um, don't. And it's because of how much of the spectrum of blue is being blocked. So this very first study that was published in 2006 um, took 14 healthy normal people and what they did was they actually exposed them to a bright light for an hour in the middle of the night at 1 a.m. And had them either wear orange lens glasses or gray lens glasses, which be like sunglasses. And so even though the orange lens glasses let in 25% more light, So remember one of the things that I really like about blue blocks is that you can still see really well. They don't make everything dim. They just make everything a kind of a different, slightly different color because you're not seeing blue very well. But um, even though in this first experiment, those um, blue blocking glasses let in 25% more light, those people had a 6% increase in melatonin compared to no light exposure the day before. And the people wearing... The gray glasses, um, like sunglasses, had a forty-six percent reduction in melatonin. So it nearly cut their melatonin in half, even though they were wearing sort of sunglasses with this light light pulse in the middle of the night. So this was one of like the first like proof of concept studies. Um, from there, um, you know, blue blue light blocking or amber lens glasses um, started to be tested in different, um, different populations. So one of the next studies done in 2009, um, really just looked at, they had 20 volunteers, again, normal, healthy adults, and they looked at whether or not wearing, uh, proper blue blocking, amber tinted glasses, or like a yellow tint, which only blocks ultraviolet light. Again, why, you know, actually getting a like technologically um, proficient and sophisticated blue blocking um, glasses is so much more effective than just say, you know, yellow tinted or orange, orange safety glasses from the hardware store. So this actually compared both of those and had the participants wear them for three hours prior to sleep. And what they showed was that the group of, of people who were wearing the blue blocking glasses had way significant, huge improvements in sleep quality relative to the people who were just blocking ultraviolet light. And what was cool about this study was they also measured mood. Um, and in part, that's because our mood is really impacted by our sleep quality. So they also showed that the people who were wearing the amber glasses had um, much higher mood scores the next day, which was pretty a pretty cool little addendum to that. Um, and then one of the things that um, that people have looked at, researchers have looked at with amber glasses. This was a 2010 study. Was they actually looked at shift workers? So can we replicate um, the light dark cycle? Or can we control it for shift workers? So we basically give them a light dark cycle that matches their workday, even though it doesn't match what's going on outside. So um, this was sawmill shift workers. So night shift at a sawmill, a very dangerous job. And they um, basically supplemented their um, daylight signal. I'm using air quotes again. I don't know why I use air quotes on an audio podcast, Um, but they supplemented with blue-green wavelengths of light and then had them wear blue blocking um, glasses outside um, from the end of their shift until they were going to bed. And what they saw was that, um, especially over a couple of nights, so the effects here build over over the days because you are continuing to provide that signal to the circadian lock, clock to continue to entrench circadian rhythms. And they showed that those um, shift workers at the sawmill who were um, doing all of these controlling of, of their light had much improved sleep. But also um, improved job performance, and they what they actually did was measure errors. And of course, an error in a sawmill is potentially like limb removing or uh, you know death causing. So um, number of errors went from five percent to just over one percent, um, only over a couple of days, just by changing the light environment so that these um, you know night shift workers, had a better entrenched rhythm that matched their work schedule. Uh, there was um, a really interesting study published in uh, 2015 that actually looked at the impact on adolescents. And why this is really interesting is adolescents have um, this like natural delay in their. Sleep cycle, so they they uh, it can go all the way to something called delayed sleep phase disorder, um, where their their normal sleep pattern is delayed by two or more hours compared to what would be sort of considered normal and healthy, and then um, and then they can't wake up in the morning, and this is there's a a part of this that is sort of a normal uh, shift in neurochemistry in adolescence. Um, and part of this is then um, exacerbated by things like texting friends in the evening. So we know that the use of screen-based devices, especially now that most screens are LED screens, is um, increasing blue wavelength exposure in the evenings, and this is shifting that delay beyond what would be actually be normal for an adolescent. And so what this study did was they they took 15 to 17-year-old healthy uh, young men and they um, had them wear blue light blocking glasses in the evenings. Um, they did it as a crossover design and had a look at how it was impacting um, sleep parameters. And one of the things that they showed was that uh, wearing the blue blocking glasses actually um, improved the dim light melatonin production. So not wearing them um, or wearing the, the control glasses that didn't block blue light, actually the, the light exposure of just normal screen activities for a teenager in the evenings was suppressing their dim light melatonin production. And then the blue blocking glasses uh, reversed that. Um, and that they actually showed that they uh, were sleepier, right? They're, um, they were more prepared for bed. So like all of the things that would be a normal, like... The complaint of a teenager would be like, I'm not tired, while blue blocking glasses was like, actually, I'm ready for bed. It was it it really normalized uh, the sleep patterns, which was very cool. Um, and then actually, um, almost the same time, there was a study done in delayed sleep phase disorder, um, which is sometimes presented as a type of insomnia. So we, we see this in teenagers, but we see this in adults as well. And what they um, showed was that, um, so what they had is they had um, these patients wear blue light blocking, amber glasses from 9 p.m. until bedtime every evening for two weeks. And um, one of the things that's very characteristic of delayed sleep phase disorder is taking a really long time to fall asleep, right? So it's lying in bed awake and taking forever to fall asleep and then like being really groggy and tired and having a hard time getting up in the morning. Um, And so what they showed was the amber glasses um, actually reduced the amount of time that it took to fall asleep by 132 minutes. Um, or they were ready for for bed 132 minutes earlier. So like nearly two hours earlier was when they were ready for bed and it reduced how long it was taking them to fall asleep by 78 minutes. So it basically, I mean, the researchers didn't call it this, but if you were just looking on paper and said, well, you used to have at least a two hour delay in when you fell asleep um, compared to normal, And the amber glasses worn for two weeks completely removed that two-hour delay. You would say it cured the sleep problem. Uh, I mean, the the researchers were very careful not to call it a cure. And obviously, that would have to be something that would be discussed with your doctor. But um, a really neat study showing um, even in circadian rhythm-related sleep pathologies that just wearing amber glasses can correct them. Um, And then there's been a couple of uh, recent studies that have really, like really added to the robustness of the current state of evidence with amber glasses. So a uh, 2019 study done in recreational athletes. Um, So one of the things that happens in athletes is while sleep is really, really important for recovery and for, um, basically the sort of cementing of skill learning in the brain, uh, that high level intensity activity actually can disrupt sleep. And so it's really common for athletes to have really poor sleep quality. So they're a really interesting group to study in terms of sleep interventions. And so this was recreational athletes, um, all you know young, uh, healthy, and they either had you know no light restriction, or they wore amber glasses in the evening. And what it actually showed was that their um, sleep quality improved, and the time it took them to fall asleep dropped uh, from 19 minutes to 12 minutes. Um, And they also had measured increased alertness the following morning, which would indicate, you know, better quality sleep. So um, that's uh, potentially a more, like, Average population as opposed to um, as opposed to a population of people that have a diagnosed sleep disorder. Um, There actually have been um, studies looking at psychological disorders, in particular um, uh, manic states associated with bipolar disease. Um, So there was a study published um, actually just in January this year that looked at uh, hospitalized bipolar patients with um, sleep um, sleep disturbances and in these patients improvement of sleep is actually like a central treatment goal um, for controlling the mania and they actually interestingly had them wear blue blocking glasses from about 6 p.m. till 8 a.m. so they had them wear them all night um, so that uh, any lights that would be on in their environment in the evening wouldn't disrupt circadian rhythm and showed uh, much better sleep efficiency, um, much fewer nights of interrupted sleep. And actually the the group that were wearing blue blocking glasses um, required less pharmacological treatment for sleep. So they were given fewer sleeping pills. Um, So in that population, again, improving sleep. Um, and then the last study that I want to talk about was an, another one, this one done in professional athletes. Um, but the reason why I kind of wanted to finish on this one, besides the fact that it was most recently published, it was just published in February. But it also adds strict schedule and light therapy during the day to the mix. So it really brings together the entire, the entire kit and caboodle. Um, They also had a really rigorous design, really good rigorous um, measurements of sleep quality. It was a crossover design. So what they did was they had um, these special uh, glasses that you put on that have lights in them that um, sort of replace a a light therapy box uh, in the morning, and then they wore amber glasses in the evening, and then they were told to sleep on a regular schedule, to do their light, their morning light and their amber glasses on a regular schedule and go to bed at a specific time. And what they found was they had a lot of study participants that um, didn't wanna do the schedule part. So they did everything else and not the consistent schedule. And so what the researchers ended up doing was dividing that into two groups. So consistent schedule versus not consistent schedule. And what was really interesting was being able to show the improvement um, that you got just from using the amber glasses before bed and using the morning light exposure. Um, so they, they still had, so for example, um, before the experiment was taking them on average 34 minutes to fall asleep, um, just adding in the light schedules, that went down to 26 minutes. And they also had um, a, uh, at least a statistical trend towards improved sleep quality. But in the people who did it, as a consistent schedule as well, had a much stronger effect. So they actually, instead of just seeing their time to fall asleep go down by eight minutes, they saw their time to go to to sleep go down by 17 minutes. So it went from 34 minutes down to 17 minutes on average. Um, And they had a uh, a much more obvious improvement in sleep quality as opposed to um, a statistical trend. So that last study sort of like puts a bow on this whole conversation of, you know, one of the best things that we can do to support sleep is tell our circadian clock in our suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus, what time of day it is by regulating the light dark cycle and, um, replicating it with biohacks as appropriate, like wearing amber glasses for a couple of hours before going to bed and making sure that we get outside, um, at some point during the day but that also adding in consistent schedule is really important because our clocks will keep going without the uh signal to set it to the light dark cycle but it starts to unravel and so because it's kind of this right this chunk 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 of of clock genes that are regulating this um Doing things on too loosey-goosey of a schedule really doesn't help in terms of cementing our circadian rhythm. so our our brain really wants to know what time it is, and it wants it to be the same time every day. Um, which is why uh, using our light therapy boxes um, at the same time every day, if you're going outside, it probably doesn't matter what time you go outside. Um, but if you're doing the the bright light therapy during the day, doing that at a consistent time, and then putting on the amber glasses, right set, so an alarm maybe, in your, in your phone to put them on and going to bed at the same time every night is such a crucial part of supporting circadian rhythms and sleep quality in general. Well, not
0: only have I learned a lot, but I feel like I'm working towards the solution, which was my theme (laughs) for this year. So um, I'm excited, not just for me, but like I said, I think it'll be really helpful for my family and I like that it um, not just is backed by science, but it's also, as we discussed, um, less harmful. Not that there's a potential for harm with, for example, um, melatonin. But we we walked through all of that in the prior show. But I think there's something to manipulating your or- own hormones in a way that is beyond just lifestyle that is worrisome for me. With mm-hmm. you know myself, my kids, with anybody, right? Like we're, we're using the science and the knowledge that we have today, but who knows, you know, six years from now or whatever the case may be, maybe we learn something different. So, um, the, the risks of creating a dark environment for yourself are, are not the same. So it's, um, a wonder been a wonderful solution for me. And I, I, don't say that lightly. Like I said, I've been resistant to this for a long time. So <laughs> it's a lot for me to admit defeat, but Um, I appreciate you pulling the science together. I appreciate you um, helping this happen for me. (laughs) And I want to thank our sponsors this week, Blue Blocks Glasses, for helping my sleep um, for the past week and for many years in the future. (laughs) Um, Because the other thing that's great beyond just some of the other things that you talked about is that this is like a renewable resource, right? You, you buy it once and you've got it for a long time. It's yep. not like if you, you know, for example, a supplement, um, that runs out and then you have to buy more and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing a return on this, hopefully for my kid's life until they're on their own essentially. Um, cause I know that Matt as someone with ADD himself also has difficulty with sleep sometimes. So that said, I want to thank our sponsor for making it happen for me, my family, and all of you. If you want to check them out, you can blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash paleo view. And you can use code paleo view for 15% off in order for yourself. I will say I got beyond just the um, blue light, blocking amber glasses. They also have the blue light computer screen glasses. They also have um, what they called glow glasses, which I got for Matt to see if they would work. And there's also a sleep mask. There's all kinds of solutions for whatever it is you might be looking for.
1: Um, And And they can also do prescriptions. So if you wear, if you have prescription eyeglasses, you can get your blue blocks and your prescription. They can even do reading glasses. So that's another thing for our listeners to keep in mind that um not only do they give you 20 different uh styles of frames to choose from so you can really customize so that you um can feel comfortable, you can get the right frames that fit, is that you can also get prescription frames as that if that's something that you need. That's super cool. Awesome.
0: Thanks again, everybody. And don't forget, next week we'll be back <gasps> with a big uh, announcement. We um, need a drum roll. This is 399. You're not going to drum roll until next week, but just okay. imagine that we are or maybe you're listening to this behind and you can just click next and you don't have the <laughs> anticipation. You didn't say say it, say it. You don't know Rocky Horror Picture Show, do you?
1: No, sorry.
0: It was that was painful. All the listeners are they they squinted with me. Anyway, the anticipation for next week, we will be back. It will be exciting. We're excited. We've been working on it for a long time, and um, thanks for
1: listening. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Um, I am... Trying to focus on the positives and yeah, the yeah, 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 things. yeah. But it's it's really like it. There, it takes effort. It takes so much effort to be like. Oh, but on the bright side, makes me feel like singing a Monty Python song, which I will not do, even for the bloopers. <laughs> but it does have some whistling in it.